0: This podcast is being hosted on the traditional territories of the Treaty 7 nations in southern Alberta, as well as the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. GHG, SDG, IPCC, COP, ESG, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and like you're drowning in the alphabet soup of climate buzzwords when you're just looking to dip your toe in the world of climate action. Global Shapers Calgary is looking to break down one of these complex topics, the Just Energy Transition. In this three-part podcast series, we'll be speaking with Energy Transition and Policy Analyst Kujo Fiaqui, the Director of the Business Renewable Centre of Canada, Najwan Aljineid, and elected Counsellor with the Blood Tribe First Nation, Deandra Bruisedhead. Throughout the podcast, we'll be tackling the challenges and the opportunities of the Just Energy Transition in Canada. What strategies could make it more just and what Indigenous representation in the movement should look like. I'm your host, Rachel Gradeen, and this is Energy Justified. In this second episode of the Energy Justified series, I'm speaking with the Director of the Business Renewable Centre of Canada, Najwan al Here's our conversation.
1: My name is Najwan Aljanaid. I'm calling today from Treaty 7 here in Calgary. Um, I'm the director for the Business Renewable Center Canada, where corporations and institutions can can learn how to buy renewable energy directly from developers. Uh, We're focused on accelerating large-scale renewable projects uh, through power purchasing agreements. Um, So... I mean, I've been working in energy-related sectors for at least the last 12 years. Uh, I started in an energy company with oil and gas operations in uh, back then. And in 2012, I felt that early wind of change, and I wanted to be at the heart of the change and not just at the periphery. Uh, so I pursued a master's in sustainable energy development. And then I moved to the Energy Futures Lab, and now I am working uh in the renewables and electricity sector. So what interests me, I mean, I'm basically living the energy transition. Uh, I've been immersed in conversations and projects at the intersection of energy, environment, and climate policy. Uh, to me, it is fascinating to see the evolution and the speed of this energy transformation. Uh, I think we're basically living history. So
0: Absolutely. The energy transition is very much underway right now in Alberta, I think. Um, So could you briefly explain to us from your perspective, what really is the energy transition and to what degree is it impacting Albertans?
1: Yeah, so the energy transition means different things to different people. But the reality is that it is a transformation of the global energy system from fossil-based to zero-emissions economy and zero emissions energy system. And by system, I mean the whole value chain from energy producers to retailers to technology companies and transportation and everything in the middle. Now, the energy transition has started impacting Albertans. Uh, Let's look at the coal phase out. Uh, Alberta is two years away from a coal-free electricity grid. And this is an amazing success story. Coal was once responsible for over 80% of Alberta's electric generation. But we will have a coal-free electricity decades ahead of schedule and six years ahead of the latest federal plan. So this has been achieved through a combination of a clear coal phase-out target, effective carbon pricing, and firm provincial and federal regulations. So the impact is already here. Uh, The phase-out, Uh, of coal-fired electricity in Canada will impact thousands of workers, but at the same time, it will create many opportunities for communities to diversify economically.
0: Yeah, that's great. So actually moving into that, what, in your perspective, what opportunities do exist?
1: For opportunities, I mean, the shift to a lower emission economy is well underway globally. Like, it's here. It's no longer breaking news. And it presents these opportunities for Alberta and Canada to grow the economy, create new jobs, and deliver solutions to the rest of the world. Um, We know that the five major Canadian banks have joined Mark Carney's initiatives, the Net Zero Alliance of Banks. Uh, so, these initiatives will bring more than 100 trillion of dollars in capital uh, from the global financial community to help get the world off uh, fossil fuels and onto a zero-emission energy. So, the markets have spoken, and investor trends are signaling the need for environmental, social, and governance measure in energy investments. And global investors are hungry for climate conscious investments. And we need here in Alberta to create future fit activities and investments for this money to come uh, if we want a piece of that massive pie.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, So I guess to turn that on its head, what would you say are some of the negative consequences of the energy transition?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the the Pembina Institute is publishing a report on just transition, and it estimates a total of four thousand six hundred and twenty eight jobs will be impacted by the coal phase out. If we go back to that, uh, and that's in Canada. So in Alberta alone, it will be uh, thirty one hundred jobs. Um, yes, this is a negative impact, as it's really sad when people lose their jobs. But we need to plan this better. This is a way to plan the transition. Uh, The report found there are four key ways to uh, advance this and to integrate it into Canada's policies. So one, you need that clear, time-bound target for the phase-out to provide certainty for the industry, for the communities, for the workers to plan the future. We need to engage with all stakeholders early in the policy design process. It cannot be an afterthought. Uh, You need to include transition financing mechanisms and really prioritizing the impacted communities in clean energy procurement programs. So as I mentioned briefly earlier, like we need a more organized energy transition and we cannot get caught like a deer in headlights. We know it's already happening. Mm
0: -hmm. So we've spoken a bit about this energy transition um, and I wanted to bring up the concept of just. So the government is saying that they want us to um, lead the charge on this just energy transition so can you tell us a little bit about the concept of just and how we can apply to this transition? What really is a just energy transition in your perspective?
1: Mm-hmm. So first of all, just transition is not a new concept. It's, uh, it was coined, uh, I believe, first in COP in the 90s. Um, so this concept needs to be human-centered and earth-centered. It has to be rooted in equity and defined very clearly uh, by implementing standards like UNDERIP, universal human rights, and indigenous rights. Like there, there needs to be that clear definition. And then as we talk about just transition, there's also pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19 realities. There's also pre-George Floyd and post-George Floyd. So we need to consider the social inequities and we need true representation at the decision-making tables when we talk about the energy transition. Um, Just transition is focused on ensuring that people who have been historically marginalized and excluded Are included. Um, It should be focused on ensuring that those who will be impacted by the energy transition are taken care of. And it is focused on the planet and ensuring it's inhabitable for the future generations that aren't born yet. Um, The Center of Policy Alternatives published a great report on just transition, and they framed it as minimizing harm and maximizing opportunity. And I really like this framing, actually.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great quote. So diving into some details here, then some examples, what strategies are being done on the grassroots level and on the federal level to ensure that this transition is actually just?
1: Yeah, this is an interesting question, Rachel. Actually, I'm not aware of strategies at a grassroots level. However, we know that the federal government launched a consultation on creating a Just Transition Act and a Just Transition Advisory Body. Uh, This was back in fall uh, 2021. Um, When I worked at the Energy Futures Lab, I I led an Mm -hmm. engagement around this federal submission. And I remember you also joined us, Rachel. Yeah, I was Um, there too. Yeah. Yeah. So we heard from different stakeholders. And one of the biggest takeaways was that just transition policies should be nationally cohesive, regionally driven, provincially and territorially le- relevant and locally delivered. So for example, you, you can consider a specific transition program and policies for natural gas workers in British Columbia, uh, oil sands workers in Alberta, coal workers, geologists, drillers in Alberta and Saskatchewan, and, and so on. It, it's not a fit-all approach. Like You need to think of it in these uh, local ways. Um, it's also crucial to work directly with local communities and grassroots organizations on the ground who advance the interests of women, youth, indigenous communities, uh, black and people of color, LGBTQ as to uh, s plus to plus sorry, and low-income communities that have been heavily impacted by the pandemic and will be disproportionately impacted by the energy transition. So to your point, these programs need to be locally designed, locally led, and locally delivered.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's great, and it it sounds too like we need to have a very holistic perspective on this issue or on this transition and ensure that yeah local groups are being um being listened to and that they're included in all the decisions and
1: exactly exactly like really it's not an afterthought; it's more of a co creation, not a a consultation once you've created the program, it should be very, a very early engagement.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So what, what can people do? Um, what more can be done to support this just transition? How can people get involved with it? Do you have any
1: advice on that front?: Organizations and governments need to spend the time and effort, understanding and accounting for just transition they also need to ensure their spaces decision making and policy making processes are truly representative of the people impacted by the transition it, it cannot be people who've never experienced injustice planning and deciding for communities who are and will be impacted by the transition the other thing i see is that in many spaces that we're hung up on the terminology either we we don't like the just transition concept or we keep questioning, what does that even mean? It doesn't matter. What matters is that there is an impact. And is a, it is a big impact on many communities. And we're losing valuable time here. So let's get on it. Let's just do this. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's no time to wait. We have to just move forward towards a better, uh, better energy future. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm on to my last question now. Um, where can people go? Where can youth go to learn more about this just energy transition?
1: Uh, it is an evolving conversation. And I've seen many policy think tanks uh, producing reports that capture the current thinking on just transition. So the Pembina Institute recently published a Women in the Energy Transition report. Uh, they're publishing another one I mentioned on workers on just transition. Um, The First Nations Major Projects Coalition and Indigenous Clean Energy have been articulating what indigenous inclusion in the energy transition means. They've been doing this for years. Very important work. Um, I mentioned the Center of Policy Alternatives also published this overview uh, that includes international examples, which is great. Um, also, I, I saw that CBC podcast "What on Earth" recently published an episode on just transition. So uh, it's on Aberdeen. It's uh, it, it's interesting to see how the issues are very similar, actually, and sometimes different uh, in a different place. Um, Rachel Gradeen from OIC Global Shapers is also producing a whole podcast. So follow her. <laughs>
0: Oh, awesome. Well, those are some great resources. I especially like the last one. <laughs> I'm sure.
1: It's a great one.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be sure to uh, to link to your resources so all our listeners can, can find them easily. Yeah, but that pretty much wraps up the interview. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. I think it's an evolving conversation. And we need to speak directly to the communities impacted and and they need to be at the decision table and they are policy making and our decision making process needs to include them in a meaningful way, not an afterthought.
0: Great words to end on. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation and I'm so happy we were able to talk about this. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for listening to this episode of Energy Justified by Global Shapers Calgary. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Global Shapers Calgary and on Instagram at YYC Shapers for news on episode releases and other hub initiatives. And a big final thank you to the Energy Futures Lab for making this initiative possible. Thanks for listening.